Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show here at the Voice of Islam. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you. Uh, you are listening to myself, Fahim, and Rahil, and we'll be discussing two very interesting topics over the next two hours, as always, focusing on the contemporary issues and Islam's guidance on navigating them. So, what have we got to discuss today? We're going to be discussing. Um, the first in the first hour, we're going to be discussing the hijab, which can be deemed as the, as the crown of a Muslimah, uh, and that's in honor of World Hijab Day. Um, we'll follow this discussion on uh, with religious harmony and its importance within the Islamic faith. Um, we're going to be discussing with guests um, throughout today's show, but you can get involved in the conversation as well. Uh, you can get involved uh, on the phone. Uh, you can contact us on 0208-687-7878. Uh, or you can get on uh, online and speak to us on Twitter um, or X uh, at Voice of Islam UK. So, um, how are you doing today, Harriel? Assalamualaikum. Alhamdulillah. Assalamualaikum. Alhamdulillah. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, just... I think it feels like spring today, right? Have you seen with the sun being out and despite it being cold, it's, it's yeah. been quite nice today, right? Yeah, some change, isn't it? Yeah. Um, hopefully soon, you know, no. we get to see the spring. Yeah, it's coming, but I, I just can't believe that Ramzan is uh, around the corner already. Exactly, exactly. I feel like it always comes very fast. But moving on, because, you know, we've got two really important topics to discuss today. Yep. Um, the first one being, uh, well, well, today first of february yep. it's um world hijab day and with that in mind uh we we want to learn more about the day more about the hijab yeah um so it actually first started uh, for anybody who doesn't know uh, it started on february 1st 2013 which was the first annual world hijab day uh, and what, what was it for? It was for uh, in recognition of millions of Muslim women who choose to wear the hijab and live a life of modesty. The founder of this movement is a Bangladeshi New Yorker, Nazma Khan, who came up with the idea as a means to foster personal freedom of religious expression and cultural understanding by invent- inviting women from all walks of life to experience the hijab for one day on February 1st annually. Interesting. What are your thoughts? I mean, interesting. Um, 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 great endeavor as always. Um, I mean, I've seen various. I don't know if you've seen these social media videos where um, women have, you know, this stall with Islamic literature and yeah. and they um, ask whoever walks past, you know, especially basically um, women, that would you want to try on the hijab and see yeah. how you actually feel. Um, and I think it's and and that way, <coughs> it's actually a great exercise. Oh. You know, uh, you know, part of what we're going to be discussing in the next hour as well, um, which is going to be, I think you've already, I think you've already introduced a religious harmony. Yeah, she truly demonstrated through the example of the Holy Prophet um, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Peace and blessings yeah. of Allah be upon him. So I mean, it's it's part and parcel of that. And the reality is so that we can learn from each other's experience, and 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 really see how it, you know, how it actually feels. Um, but I think what we, what it would be interesting is to get our um, you know, <coughs> callers in, our guests in, uh, especially those who wear the hijab, and understand from their perspective, because our perspective would not be the perspective of the one who's going through that experience, what yeah. they feel. Um, 
And so I um, when thinking about this, I've uh, heard a lot of people often say that you know um, women uh, are forced into this, and yeah. I think that this what what I like about this day is that it's um, it's uh, it truly shows that it's actually a, a form of expression. You know, um, Muslim women are choosing to do this. You know, for their faith, and I don't think anybody has control over that. Islam does not say <coughs> to force any any person to do this, or to force your spouse or your daughter or your you know any relative or, or shame anyone in the community. That is by far not the case in any way, yeah. and I think that <coughs> what people need to understand and and um, is that it's a personal choice. This yeah. is down to every individual how they wish to conduct themselves. There's not like you have to do this. It's, and you know we're going to discuss in, in later as well. But like there is no compulsion in religion, and I think that I just want to make that clear for anybody who doesn't understand that, right? Yeah, I I totally agree with that. But there's one clarification that that should be made Please. with from 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 a theological perspective. Yeah. Is that when you um, we often say this, uh, you know, there's no compulsion in religion. There's no doubt. There's no compulsion in religion. But the fact is that once you've truly accepted um, to enter a faith, yeah. the, uh, whether there's any club or any organization, there are certain commandments that, 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 that are in place, there are certain yeah. principles that are in place. Now, that's not to say they are imposed on you, but mm-hmm. you should learn. And it is only good that you learn uh, you know, the principle and the, you know, the, 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 the essence behind why these things are in, in, you know, in, in place. So you can't take these commandments of Allah to be lightly, to say... Yeah. To say, look, you know, it's my choice. I can do whatever I want and stuff. Because mm-hmm. the Prophet peace be upon him has also told us that um, among the worst people in the sight of Allah are those who are give, give, given a good advice and they, they turn and say, look, it's between me and God. Interesting. Right? Okay, explain and more. Yeah. So what that means is that if someone gives you a good advice, it's for you to take it. You can't just turn turn around and yeah. say, well, it's between me and God. Who are mm-hmm. you to? But by by that, nobody can give anybody advice. Yeah. Because one of the purposes of a believer is to is to um, is to command good, and um, and 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 stop which is not good. So okay, I, that's really interesting because for it's me, it's called Nahi Munkar, meaning to to remove evil, yeah, and and um, spread goodness, you know, in the world. That that, that that's one of the purposes of a believer, uh, you know, so, from from his perspective. But I think what, again, another clarification, in my opinion, please please do correct me if I'm wrong, is that um, you know. There's a very fine line between um, yeah. advice and judgment. Of course, there's no, and, and I think that that's yeah, yeah. where a lot of the times that I would ag- I would personally agree yeah. with, like, okay, it is between me and God yeah. because when someone is judging you and trying to impose upon you, I think that's one thing. Where do you draw the line is a the question then, because exactly. if someone's advising you something which is a, yeah. in, in, Advi- in advising though is in in accordance with with, yeah. with with what the Sharia says, what the Quran says, what yeah. the what the Prophet and his wives and of what they what they believed and what they practiced throughout their life. Yeah. Yes, we are all different. We have our own weaknesses. Um, <clears throat> you know, for you to to simply turn around and say you're judging me yeah. is wrong, and also for someone to judge you is wrong. Yes. Right. Because that, because at the end of the day, the judgment is from Allah the Almighty. Hence, we find also because that's what I'm saying. Islam is such a perfect balance. Mm. Um, you know, it, it it actually opposes the either extreme. Yes. Right. So the point where it says Inna ma'anta mudakkir lasta alaihim bi that you're only a 
You're only a warner. Hmm. You're not someone who's going to compel people into believing. Yes. Yeah. Right. So this, this this wasn't the way of the prophet. He didn't go about putting hijabs on, a, or, or you know, or forcing his women to wear hijab. They yeah. understood the commandment. Yeah. They followed it based on uh, that un- understanding and the reward that was behind it and the essence that was behind, uh, you know, behind it. Because yeah. one of the reasons we know um, from a historical perspective is the fact that um, the women in Medina, mm. Muslim women, um, were, you know, when when they were they, whenever they would walk past non-Muslims, they would be taunted or they would be treated not in a dignified manner. Right. So when the uh, commander of hijab actually came, was so that they can be differentiated between one of the reasons is so that they, they, they could be dif- differentiated re- between other women and Muslim women, right? Yeah. So they, they'll be differentiated because these are Muslim women. Because they, they would turn around and say, oh, we, we thought these were our, our own women, right? So we, we didn't know uh, okay. what, what we were doing. This is one of, the, one, one of the things. But the reality is, and this is what we need to go back to is, yeah. when it comes to the commandment of, um, which is in the Holy Quran with, with regards to, and I think if you, if you want, we can come back to the late, later on if you've yeah. got guests, guests on the line. But um, is that Allah the Almighty basically um, instructs the men first um, that they should, yeah. you know, lower their gaze. So just as while I was driving here, I was, I was, I was thinking over this commandment actually. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull up the verse. Yeah, so so I, th- I think that's a really good point, and and yeah. we will we will get into that a bit more uh, yeah. um, later in the show because I think you know as you mentioned, you know, we're going to have guests who. Yeah. Um, are going to be able to speak speak more uh, relatably um, regarding yeah. this, uh, but there is there is the this isn't just something that is opposed uh, like it <coughs> isn't just something for one gender, and we'll talk about it in more detail in a bit. But yeah, um, of course, uh, we have our first guest on the line. Um, uh, today we are welcoming uh, Maliha Tariq who is going to talk to us about her experience with wearing hijab, a hijab at the workplace. Um, well, with that small introduction, we'd like to welcome you to the um, Drive Time Show. Assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings of God be upon you. Waalaikum salam, jazakallah for having me. Well, no, thank you for sharing your experience. So let, let's start off with, um, when did you first start wearing a hijab and um, you know what was that first experience for you? So I started wearing the hijab in primary school, I think around year four, year five. Um, I have an older sister and obviously both of us have seen our mum wearing the hijab since um, since she started as well. And we asked her, that um, is it okay if we start wearing the hijab as well? Because obviously we've seen you wearing it too. So um, the main thing that she told us was that um, obviously why we wear the hijab because it's part of um, Islam and it's part of um, the way we dress. Um, and then she also told us that you can wear it, but just make sure that you don't um, like go wherever, go to school or go to um, the mosque or wherever and just take it off and just wear it for the sake of that other people are wearing it. Wear it for yourself and your relationship with um, Allah Ta'ala. Right, and um, has uh, ha- have you felt like the hijab has ever been a barrier in your career? Um, no, I don't think so. I would actually say that it's been the opposite. Um, I was previously working for Citizens Advice for around five years, and during that time there's not been one day where 
my hijab has been a problem for anyone, even in the workplace. Um, they allowed me to um, pray there. They obviously they, um, especially during Ramadan as well, because the times were quite short. Um, they allowed me to. They had a separate room where I was allowed to pray. Um, a lot of the clients, when they saw that um, I was a hijab-wearing woman, they were they actually calmed down quite a bit. Whenever you see them first, obviously sometimes you get clients who are a bit um, frustrated, and they do tend to take it out on you, which is this is not completely their fault. But for me, a lot of my experiences were that when they do see me, they tend to calm down. Or they tend to speak more politely because they see that, one, I'm speaking politely to them and also I'm wearing hijab. So sometimes there's even been clients who have apologized because they started off like either really rude or annoyed. Mm-hmm. And then they've seen that because I'm a Muslim woman wearing hijab, then they apologize and state the fact that um, yeah. because I'm really sorry. Like I saw you in, a, in your hijab and um, I felt really embarrassed of the way that I was talking to you. It's really interesting because I think you said something uh, really powerful and what is what what it meant was that it's not just wearing the scarf on your head but it's how you carry that. I mean, the, 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 yeah. the responsibility of wearing the scarf and you mentioned how because you wear the scarf you, ha- you also have that, you know, that um, that understanding that I have to carry this and I have to, I have to yeah. be respectful, Absolutely. you know, with people and then also that translates into people being respectful with you because... I think one of the things that we highlight that there 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 are purposes behind these commandments. So, so so I think the next question that we had for you was some have this belief or some have this view um it's very much apparent in you know society that mm. and often women are asked that wearing a hijab may take away their freedom, you know, or career choice or you know other things that they probably want to do but they can't really enjoy doing uh, such as in sports they you know they can't really get into and stuff. Yeah. So what would you say what would you say from your experience um, and how would how how do you manage it? Uh, you know, as someone who does wear a hijab, um, I've had a really positive experience, especially in school. Whenever we used to have um, like sports days or, or PE, um, first the teachers always used to tell us that oh, you need to take your hijab off because obviously when you're running, then it might get in your face. But um, I would just tell them that okay, I can either just tuck it in my my shirt, I would, or I can. Um, I can yeah mainly I would just tuck it in and they wouldn't have a problem. So once I took a stand that I'm not going to take my hijab off, doesn't matter if it's all girls um, that are there, I'm still not going to take it off. So doesn't or either if I can't take part, then I would um, just like skip the lesson or not go, or just ask the the head of year to to sign it that I'm not going to attend because of this reason. Um, but yeah, a lot of them have been quite good in that fact when you tell them that you take a stand and you tell them that I'm not gonna under any circumstances remove my hijab then they're okay with that right and so what would you say to any women who may be finding it difficult to adapt to wearing a hijab you know they've made that choice you know I want to do it um what what could you what, what could you share and, and what what advice would you give them um, I think the first thing is to to actually know that yeah it can be scary if you haven't done it before because you're used to just um, obviously you're not used to wearing the hijab it is something that you've put over your head so it can feel a bit weird having it on but I think start off slowly so for example if you're going to the mosque for any functions maybe wear it for a small amount of time and then if you if you feel comfortable enough just extend your time that you're wearing it. 
So, okay, you go to the mosque and then you, when you're going out to shopping or wherever you're going, you would then get used to it. So even when I wear it, I don't feel like there's anything heavy on my head, like a hijab or anything. I'm used to wearing it now. So it just feels like it's part of me. Right. And do, does it make you feel proud being a hijab-wearing woman? Like, ha, ha, like what are the... What what do you feel when you when you know when you wear it and how you've like when you made that decision to wear it? I feel really proud wearing the hijab. I think I see it as a form of uh, protection for myself. Um, like even now, when I don't, if I'm like going to chuck something out in the dustbin, I'd always put my hijab on. When I don't have it on, is when I feel more exposed and I feel weird. Like I would ne- even now, I'd never think about going outside without my hijab. So I think having it on makes you feel like you've got a sense of protection, like a shield um, that you have around you. So I think you know, it makes me just feel a little bit more confident when I'm going out. And what do you feel about uh, you know World Hijab Day? Um, do you think that uh, like how has it made you feel? Do, does it uh, you know with other people trying it for a day or, or you know how how does that make you feel? I think it's a really good concept because it just means that we're spreading more and more awareness, um, especially nowadays what's going on in terms of Islam as a whole. Um, sometimes it does get, well, most of the time it does get a bad light that Islam is not a peaceful religion. But the fact that women especially are spreading this message that wearing the hijab is not forced, like you were saying earlier. Um, and it's just, it is something that, it is a commandment, but it's not forced upon you is when you are ready then you you decide to wear the hijab thank you so much it was a pleasure speaking to you thank you what's happened there <laughs> um, so I was mentioning the number to call us and, and ask us questions discuss um Explain and either you know disagree with us if you know if you need to. So yeah. call us here on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and also you can hit us on our socials at Voice of Islam UK. Speaking of socials, on Instagram we had a poll. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked whether the hijab is a religious, and then there's three options. The first one is commandment. The second one is choice, and the third one is oppression. Uh, we'll let you know what the results are um, at the end of the show but yeah get voting at Voice of Islam UK on Instagram so we were discussing and I think that was really insightful right like of course you know I think that hearing that experience and I hope there are people who may um, you know be considering it and you know would feel that uh, understanding that was just (coughs) shared by um, our sister there Uh, I think that we let's go back to more what we were discussing before because I think yeah. that what is clear is I like that you said that look you can't just say that I you know it's between me and God and leave it at that right <laughs> like it's, you can say that with everything yeah right and I think this is I think we're what we're trying to what I'm at least trying to articulate here is that yeah. um no one should force you mm-hmm. but at the end of the day <clears> as a Muslim, it's it is part of the commandments, yeah, and it's something that you should at least aspire to be, aspire to do continuously. 
I think that there's no one should be able to put a time frame exactly when or how or whatever, but ultimately it is part of the commandments of yeah. the religion. Look, the idea of being comfortable with something is of course. I mean, it's the same thing as um, salat, right? Prayer. Yeah. If 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 let's say I, you know, force my son to say do your five daily prayers yeah. or do this certain act in this certain such and way, um, you know, it's it's just an act. He doesn't really know what the essence of that. You know what what the essence of that worship is, you know what 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 the you know essence of that those actions are, and this is the point that that is being made that yes the purpose the purpose is to understand the essence, the purpose is to really you know ponder over the fact that it is a commandment of God. If you believe in Islam and you say I do believe in Islam, and of course the reality is that um, human beings, as Allah says, have been made they are they are made weak, yeah right and. Uh, and and Allah the Almighty caters for that, you know. He forgives and also he's very compassionate. All of these things exist, but that should not give a lever to a person to think that it's okay. It's not okay to 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 have this idea that even if I don't wear it, it doesn't you know it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I think, matter. I think it's like it, you st- it always matters because this is exactly the guidance. Yeah, I think that that that's that's. Essentially, what you're trying to say, right? Exactly. Yeah. Me if I'm wrong. Because the thing is, look, <clears throat> the scripture says in chapter, um, as I was mentioning, Surah Hujurat, yeah. right? Is 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 primarily in Surah Hujurat and also in Surah Lahzab, which are two chapters. <clears throat> the Surah Lahzab is uh, chapter forty-nine, verse four, and um, no, sorry, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not uh, four. It's actually chapter twenty-four, Surah An-Nur. Apologies. Uh, verse 31 and 32 right yep. and specifically speaking about the prophets own wives the, the commandments is given in chapter 33 verse 60 so Allah sab so i mean the first commandment that that is given is says that say to the believing men yep. that they restrain their eyes and guide their private parts yeah right that's first, that, that the first commandment is actually mm-hmm. given to men to lower their gaze which actually translates to that no matter how a woman is dressed yeah. It doesn't give you the right to look at her yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Because the difference the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community mentioned was that Islam doesn't tell you to <clears throat> to not look at women with a bad intention. Right? Whereas it says when you, you should lower your gaze. Because yeah. when do you know or how can you control your desires or your actions you don't have yeah. an entire control of them therefore the commandment is not don't don't only don't look look at her with bad intention because yeah. you don't know when good intention can turn bad right um and all, you know, the entire idea of casual casual flirting and all of that yeah. is also something that comes comes into play so 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 just i'm just wrapping this up because we have a guest on 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 here yes. that that of course the, the first commandment is for men to actually actually you know lower the gaze and 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 guard their private parts and you know they are responsible for their own actions um and so we don't have a guest we actually have a caller oh wow so That's good. um let's hear from our caller who is um Pfizer Mirza assalamu alaikum and peace and blessings of Allah be upon you welcome to the drive time show here at voice of islam Waalaikumsalam. Um, brilliant show, and um, it's a it's a lovely day for us Muslim women. That is World Hijab Day, and I thought um, it's fantastic you're covering it. Um, I just wanted to make one point. Please, and please. 
Yeah, I think the funny thing about World Hijab Day is the number of feminists or so-called feminists that come out to uh, stand against women. Mm. And I think it's brilliant how you're covering the fact that this is a commandment from Allah. Yeah. So it's something we're told to do. And I think that's what's misunderstood because mm. they don't understand these commandments are actually leading us to peace mm. and happiness. And instead, we're actually being judged for doing something that's giving us security, peace, happiness, empowerment. So it's really sad that society has set women up against women, that when women choose to dress more modestly, where they choose to dress you know, for whoever they want to dress for, mm. that society turns on them. <clears throat> and instead of making World Hijab Day a day of celebrating women for being able to be empowered to not succumb to whatever men have deemed women to, to dress as, and women have taken that control back because Islam has given that control to women. They're saying you're in charge of what you wear, you're in charge of what you show to whoever you want to show. This yeah. day is now being flipped. And if you look on social media, it's being flipped. And you know, if you say anything like it's World Hijab Day, we'll be told, yeah. oh, it's yeah, that's because you're just being oppressed. Mm. And it's such a sad state of affairs because people have misunderstood the job. Yes, I do agree that some people have politicized it in certain countries and no one should be forced to do hijab. Likewise, that no one is forced to do prayers. It's the same way. No one is forced to go and do the namaz, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I but think we know that prayers give us that peace and security. Absolutely. And hence we need <clears throat> powerful voices like yours, you know, to speak to speak up for the women because us men uh, you know, no matter how much we speak from the perspective of commandments, uh, it's only our wives and sisters and you know our mothers who true, you know, who wear that hijab, yeah. you know, as as a as 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 a crown on their head, and and when it comes that powerfully from them, then there's nothing that can actually you know take that away from them, and I think it's it's quite um, you know hypocritical from these these so-called feminism uh, you know feminists out there. That yeah. on on one hand they talk about the freedom of women and you know you know the, the freedom of conscience and all of these things, but when it comes to the idea of Muslim women themselves saying that look we this is our choice, and and and, and we choose to wear this that they would doubt this and would say look this is backward mm -hmm. and all of these things, so I think exactly. it's important and thank you so much I mean it was a pleasure uh, you know thank for you, you to come on but if you do want to add anything else. Please do. Um, you're more I than think, welcome to. I think a lot. I mean, just one more point. Sorry, just to take your time. I think I think you're right. It has to come from the women because they will always just say, "Oh, the men are putting it on it." But if you actually speak to a Muslim woman who does her hijab, she actually feels secure and happy in that because Islam is a religion that's just—it's more than just a hijab. It's more than just what you wear on your head. There are so many rights that have been given to women in Islam, in which one of them is hijab. It's—it's it's a right almost that you do not need to yep. live to stand, or you don't need to please men. Men haven't got these options. Men have to provide. Men have to. Yep. You know, tick boxes. You have to well, wake up and do the hair every morning. We don't need to do that. So, <laughs> we, it's it's actually a, being a Muslim woman. We have a lot more rights, I think, than men do personally. And I think if people actually open their mind and stopped having these small minds where they judging women according to their standards and asked us how we felt, they would realize that World Hijab Day, Islam, all of these things are just freedom for women. But Jazakallah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Um, this is it. I mean, this is what our Ahmadis women are or what they stand for. That, and that's the reality. Um, you know, and majority of them would, would, would be able to stand up for themselves. They don't even need, you know, need men defending their yeah. choices. 
um, to be honest. And I'm not saying this out of you know out of anything because I've I've you know I've had experiences in my family where sisters and you know, uh, you know my wife even had to go through this experience where you know they had to become confident themselves because the men are not always going to be there for them. Um, but, but especially in in the current scenario that we're going through, I mean, yeah. what's happening around the world, the political uh, circumstances. Um, there is a higher chance that Muslim women might get attacked, you know, based on. So I've seen certain videos on social media and stuff yeah. like that as well, where where these you know these risks, you know, factors actually go up. Yeah. So that they also need to be on the lookout as well, um, and also men that are there, the Muslim men. If you're in the tube, if you're in if you're in a bus, wherever you are, make sure you're also looking out for your sisters. Yeah, no, I think it's it's, it's really important. And at the end of the day, you know, people. I feel like they just there are feminists, so-called feminists out there that are you know promoting this narrative that you know free to wear whatever I want whenever I want, but then when it's the hijab, it's yeah. flipped on its head to oh you're being forced to, and I think that at the end of the day, f- like freedom of expression should go both ways, right? If if some uh, women are calling to be able to wear whatever they want, you know. Mm. It it should work both ways, and it shouldn't be a specific type uh, of thing that is um, changed that way. But 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 what we see, right? I mean, let let let's get away from that. Let let's go to the other side, right? Where okay. where the freedom of choice exists, right? Is is it really a freedom, or is is there not a manipulation that that you know you, in a way, you these women are also being forced to, you know, take up these you know um, no surgeries and all of these diff- different things. Based on the f- you know fact that they see someone on the TV, which is a lot of the time is not reality, it's makeup yeah. and all of these things, these fake standards that are there, the degeneracy that's there. I mean, you know, social media, every every third or fourth fourth post, what is it? Yeah. Right. To be honest with you, what you know, to, so they've used, they've, they've objectified uh, women, whereas Islam is tell, telling you that women, you know, are dignified, yeah. right? And they and so the whole family structure, the whole system would collapse. Yeah, if you know if that's going to be the case, I mean, I don't want to comment. I mean, everybody that's listening in knows exactly what's going on at the moment in social media. Yeah. Your YouTube programs, from you know whatever. I don't want to name them actually. Yeah. They're they're all they're all based around this degeneracy that we see. You 100%, know, um, yeah. for this uh, you know this um, this cult, cult, this one night stand culture and all of these things yeah. that we have, it's very much apparent and and it's 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 a harsh truth that 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 exists. The opposite of that is religion. The opposite of that is is conscious living, is the fact that that these desires that we have within ourselves are natural, right? And the Almighty has you know given us ways, you know, to 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 fulfill those desires in a right manner. Yeah, there's a system in exactly. place. There's a system they, and they, time in place for yeah. every single thing within Islam, yeah. and therefore you don't need to exceed the bounds in any way. And hence, you know, this is why. Um, we were mentioning the verse before our sister came and you know spoke brilliantly um, that Allah Almighty actually you know instructed the men. He instructed the men to lower their gaze. He instructed the men to to guard their private parts. And I tell you, there's nothing bigger um, a source of pride, or I would say honor, than you lowering your gaze. Oh. And those men that are listening in, try it. It's the hardest yeah. thing to do, but try it. And because because one of the biggest tests and temp- temptation for men is women yeah. that's the reality yeah. right um, and 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 we know that the eyes can you know uh, go wandering yeah. and if the person is in control of his eyes because yeah. yahfaduna furujahum is the word right yeah. that they take care of their um, their private parts and faraj is a- actually a hole 
right? Mm-hmm. And they include the eyes in in that as well. Yeah. That that one should be, you know, and this is why we see that the saints and 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 those people who are who are closer to Allah the Almighty, their eyes don't wander here and there. Yeah. They're very much focused. And then sometimes, and I think for those that are listening from for from an external perspective, the idea of not shaking hand with the uh, yeah. with the with the Muslim woman. Exists for both genders. So within Islam, mm-hmm. you can shake your wife's hand. Of course, you can. Yeah. You know, those that, that are mahram that, that that within your household, yes. right? And um, and you're you're you're, do, you're you're able to do that. But when you go externally, right? Those you know you can't do that with you know other women and and also vice versa. So it's not just for women, but even yeah. men. Us when we're going outside, and I think this is what I think also uh, one of the misconceptions that we should address here. Why? What? What is the point of that? And what is the you know, essence behind, you know, let's say not shaking hands as well. Yeah, I think we'll go into that um, just after of course. this guest um, that we have on the line. We have uh, Alia Nasir, um, who is going to share her experience of growing up uh, in a non-Asian area uh, and wearing hijab. With that small introduction, welcome to the Drive Time Show here at The Voice of Islam. Thank you for having me. Well, let's kick things off. Thank you for joining us. Um, uh, and so let's kick things off with the, you know, when did you first wear, start wearing the hijab? I think for, for me, honestly, wearing hijab was very on and off throughout my teens. And I think it's not until, I, I believe I was about 20 or 21 when I started researching into significant of significance of hijab and mm-hmm. doing bardan what that actually means to me mm-hmm. in an islamic context and what it means to me as as a woman in society that then i actually did start wearing it but before i think with things like self-esteem issues or you know uh, didn't want to stick out more than I already did with mm. everybody around me. You know, there was that we grew up in a predominantly white area, no Asians at all. So there's kind of that thing that can come in when you're a teenager wanting to fit in. So I really had to kind of go through a journey of self-discovery before I got there. And I think I was, yeah, I was about, I think, oh yeah, I was in university at that time where I actually started wearing it. Right, so uh, growing up in a predominantly white um, area, what difficulties did you face wearing a hijab? I think uh, one thing was uh, when I then started wearing it, it was in the middle of term. So I got a lot of questions from other students and friends like, oh, you're wearing a headscarf. Why are you wearing a headscarf? And I just thought of them would just be like, oh, it's a choice I'm starting to make, I've gotten more into my faith, so I yeah. thought you know, this is why I want to start wearing it so I think one of the things was a lot of questions and just trying to keep consistent with it as well was mm-hmm. quite difficult <clears throat> because it was just trying to get into a habit of wearing it mm-hmm. so I think um, and then also, you know I, I would be faced with kind of uh, not within the uni but within outside obviously with racism you know uh as well being shouted at with with different comments and things like that so it wasn't it wasn't easy Mm -hmm. it wasn't easy yeah interesting and also how did you i mean overcome these difficulties um you know being called out i mean i I remember being at school and not wearing a hijab and being called out for you know uh, you know having a different color so we've all we've all had some experiences of course um so did that make you stronger in your faith or i mean at that time what was the reaction or did you have to grow 
because of course it's not nice being shouted at it was really horrible actually mm-hmm. um it made me feel incredibly anxious to even go outside mm-hmm. and a couple of times i found myself reverting back to kind of just you know maybe wearing a hat instead to cover my hair or something just so it wasn't so obvious um but it was it, i think i think after i had a TikTok with my mum and everything because she'd already was wearing a headscarf anyway mm. and I just kind of like well, you know how can I sort of deal with it and I think one of the things was it was kind of just um, finding a style of putting on a hijab that's still compliant with the kind of Islamic values but maybe it's a little bit more comfortable so maybe so for example the way that it would kind of be draped. There are like many different hijab styles on the internet. So I started doing it in kind of alternate ways where it was still covering my hair mm-hmm. and it was still like, you know, covering my neck as well, where it just looked a little bit more accessible to me. So it was kind of phases of how I would how I would wrap my hijab mm-hmm. before I then came to the more <clears throat> traditional way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was in phases actually, which uh, which is uh, yeah. And I'm sort of looking back on that and talking about that. I'm just like yeah. It was, it was really a journey. Mm. It was really a journey. It was like gradually, gradually to get to that stage. I had to first make it accessible to me. Mm. Uh, then I was able to then eventually just kind of wear it and just not really care really and then I think at that point as well when I started wearing it more regularly mm-hmm. the kind of proper way then I just thought I just wouldn't be looking in the direction of other people <laughs> I'd just be kind of walking down the street doing my thing mm. not really caring so it kind of just got to that point because I had to I had to grow with the hijab the hijab was a was a stage and was a journey and I just had to grow with it. It wasn't an overnight process. It was really it was really hard actually. So mm. Interest, yeah. interesting. Um what would you because uh, we asked our previous guests as well um and it's it's interesting because you know there's some people who've grown up their parents sort of when they were young um you know created the habit of wearing a hijab let's say they're going to the mosque for a class or something of that sort. And and the daughter just picked it up, and of course she may have had challenges, you know, in school days, and then she came back to it, it was much much easier. But someone who's who's starting off late, let's say, they've decided now to you know to wear the hijab, um, and they've just started off. And the 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 accessibility element that you mentioned is is, is so powerful and so important. Uh, but what else would you say? Um, because of course you said it's a journey. What would your message be if you know those girls were listening into this program, and especially to the parents as well that want their let's say daughter to wear the hijab but the daughter is taking her time you know she's, mm-hmm. it's it's a journey so if you could cover these two elements I think it would be really really helpful I think I think psychologically what actually got me into it committed to wearing hijab is honestly rather than just being told oh do your bodha wear your hijab I think Honestly, I I really had to research it for myself. Mm. Like, is wearing a headscarf and you know long coat and stuff is this? You know, we're told, oh yeah, this is what you're supposed to do, and um, you know, you were always being told in in, in the then their class about classes, which is for the younger kids, right? And you're always told that. But I had to really research into different hadith, which is sayings of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. And then also into Quranic verses as well. And different resources like that so that I could build my my concept through my research Mm -hmm. of what is important to my my deen, my faith. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So until doing your own research into why doing this is important, you're not going to really get into the habit. I think if you're constantly justifying it, I mean, I hear many girls telling me that, oh, but it's not even a part of Islam that you have to do it. And I'm like, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and, and then I would kind of, you know, uh, you know, help educate them in that because I was a part of, I did used to be uh, doing with the student affairs stuff. Mm. I used to be a part of that within the communities, like the religious community settings. Yep. So for me, I had this question a lot. So do your own research on it. Try to apply it to yourself. And then from before what I said, try and find a style of burda that's accessible to you in the beginning and then kind of evolve and transform with it until it's at a it's at a place where you feel it's kind of the best you can do, the most acceptable you can do. Um, but I, I would definitely say hijab, you know, wearing the you know, of of this is a is a very personal journey. So if there's ways you can try through your research to apply it to yourself, then you're gonna actually be empowered in your decision rather than just being told wear the hijab. You know? So I hope that helps a little bit. Thank you, Jazakallah. I think it was a pleasure speaking to you. Um, thank you f- thank you for coming on, and I hope the listeners will learn a lot from your experience. Yeah, thank alaykum. you very much. Wa alaikum salam. is the number to call. We only have 15 minutes on this topic before we were moving on to our second topic. But interesting, uh, f- hearing, I think hearing experiences is, is a lot better than us mumbling yes. <laughs> and talking sure. about I, this topic. But I think... Um, it's it's um, it's also important to cover the verses that, that actually speak about this, right? Um, if you can if you can cover them like g- gradually, so where where does this commandment exist? Because she mentioned, do your own research, right? Yeah, that's so, what. I was, so uh, where should she? Where that's should one she of the look? things I also wanted to mention. Like um, just before we go into that, is um, it's important to do your own research, and I think that understanding why, right? Like, just I think a lot of people can be like. Oh, it's a commandment. I've just been told to do it, right? Mm. Like, but once you start to actually understand for yourself why, why has it been commanded, you will then appreciate it more. And mm. I think that, especially like I'm sure you experience it with kids these days, they always need to know why. As soon as they understand the why, mm. they usually they they then can make a better, more informed decision. And we have so much. Like I think that a lot of the times where people may feel oppressed or, or or like you know forced is when it's just like oh that's just the way it is exactly yeah. right you need to like islam teaches you the reality to is even they don't right? know yeah even they don't know that's yeah. the reality and i think you're gonna realize if you get an answer that says just just what it says oh yeah. that, that and, that's just the way it is that's just right? the way it is right then know that the person doesn't know the answer and and may, maybe you need to ed- educate them maybe you need to read and um, you know, speak to them later. But I think chapter twenty-four, Surah Nur, verse tw- thirty-one and thirty-two. Uh, you know, I was speaking about the first one, which, which speaks about lowering your gaze, and you know, the commandment yeah. Allah the Almighty gave to men. But the second verse speaks about um, the women, and it says, "And say to the believing women that they restrain their eyes again, again restraining your eyes first, yeah. uh, and guard their private parts, and so that they dis- disclose not their natural artificial beauty, except that which is apparent thereof." And that they draw their head coverings over their bosoms, and that they disclose not their beauty save to their husbands or to their fathers or to the fathers of their f- husbands. So it's very specific, or their sons, or the sons of their husbands, or their brothers, or the sons of their brothers, uh, or the sons of their sisters, or their women, or what their right hand possesses, 
or such of male attendants as have no sexual appetite, right? Or young uh, children who have no knowledge of the hidden parts of women, and they strike not their feet, and they strike not their feet, so that what they hide of their ornaments uh, may become known, and turn ye to Allah all together, O believers, that you may succeed. One point, and under the commentary that's mentioned, is really powerful actually, and and I, and I think I should mention this. It says that. Um, According to you know, um, um, it, you know, it mentioned that as stated above, the Quran is not content with merely taking a superficial view of things, but but goes to their very root. <clears throat> yeah. And what it says is that according to it, every good and bad quality springs from a certain root. Okay. In the case of a good quality, the Quran enjoins that the root should be mastered and fully kept under control. And in the case of an evil, it aims at its complete eradication and extermination, and thus bolts and bars all the avenues to it. So, as it is the eyes through which most evil thoughts enter the mind, so in the verse under comment, believing men and women have been commanded to lower their gaze yeah. when they hap- when when they happen to meet one another, and I tell you, this practice is of utmost dignity. Yeah. If you if you start practicing, you did, did this in your life, uh, you know you would realize that you are you're a lot more concentrated. Like yeah. you know, you and 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 also you you know you're you're not looking here and there, yeah. your eyes don't wander, right? Um, and I think this the and 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 the one of one of the other other verses is mentioned in chapter thirty three verse sixty, where it says, "O prophet, tell thy wives and and thy daughters, and the women of the believers that they should draw close to them portions of their loose outer covering, coverings that is more likely that they may thus be distinguished and not molested." This is what I was you know referring to, yeah. and Allah is most forgiving. And merciful, so these these are you know uh, from 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 the Quranic perspective, we can speak so much on it. Yeah, but um, particularly about this, I really like what you said there because I think that um, one thing that the more you learn about Islam, right, um, you start to realize that Islam doesn't like just patch over problems, mm. right? It doesn't just say like, oh, this is a problem, let's just fix this little problem. What it does is it's it's provided a system mm. that will stop these problems even occurring. It gets to the root of the of problem, course, yeah. and I think that that's where, like, so that's where people start to be like, "Oh, why is that there?" There are reasons for these commandments for the betterment of society, right? And and it's there. These are all there to create that harmonious society, and Absolutely. that if it's followed by everyone. It will lead to that, but just going back to um, discussing uh, the job, uh, I wanted to just highlight uh, something mentioned by His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Musur Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, uh, on the thirteenth of January, twenty seventeen. Uh, the fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community said, "Modest clothing and parda are significant in safeguarding our faith." If the developed countries are un- annihilating modesty in the name of advancement and freedom, they are doing so because they have drifted away from religion. Whereas an Ahmadi girl who has accepted the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, uh, has pledged to keep her faith above all worldly affairs. Uh, an Ahmadi child who has accepted the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, as well as an Ahmadi person, man or woman, who have accepted him, have pledged to hold their faith above all materialistic things. And this can only come about by acting in accordance to Islamic teachings. And I think that that's really 
important and and so well put that like you have made a commitment to this you you have chosen this and you know it is one of those one of the commandments of that and you know it's it just helps that it's it's not a barrier to employment or it's not about oh if i do this i will be impacted in this way it will only make you better absolutely no doubt and this is such a powerful quotation that you just mentioned and you know there are things um it's it's quite alarming especially being the father of kids and um you know social media and everything you know the, you know, the role it plays in, into all of this i mean there was i mean it, it's actually a battle it's really a battle yeah. for 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 youngsters you know on social media to navigate yeah you know uh, how to how to navigate because um you know there there are questions that are asked which are not permissible from the from the islamic you know um islamic understanding from yeah. the islamic theology you know such a things like what's your body count yeah things like that that are so openly asked on yeah. social media these things whereas the people they're asking they're doing these programs are because we're having an honest conversation of yeah. course are themselves involved in you know involved with the other, other women things, yeah, yeah, yeah and 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 they practice the same thing so it's a yeah. very hypocritical side to yeah. cycle and all of that is being done to get views yeah right uh, so just to just think about this that where we are in terms of um you know in 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 terms of standards and and modesty and this is what his holiness has been speaking about and so the idea of of safeguarding our faith and and and, and understanding the importance of this and of course educating yourself Yeah, because the only way you can actually protect and protect your children is is by knowing because this day the why is very important yeah. the why for a child is very very important nowadays yeah. he needs to be told what's the significance of this what's the hikmah what's the wisdom behind why god almighty has stated what he has stated yeah because the thing is is that um and and the reason why this is is that um since the introduction of like you know phones apps etc um social media it seems to be that the world's attention is the real economy right like that's where there's value it's having the attention of certain amount of people is what is currency mm. um and people are giving up their morals or they are speaking about certain things or you know they half of the time they're probably making it up mm. right like there's there's exaggerations on both ends mm. right um and they're doing that in order to get this currency which is views this mm. is which is people's attention fame right because they think that that's going to give them what they want this is going to give them and purpose and that tells the most dangerous thing about money, this money yeah the prophet peace be upon him once said that the worst man in the sight of god is he who commits a sin at night and comes and tells people and boasts about it uh, oh. the next morning and he said that god wanted to um hide your sin yeah cover your faults Co- yeah. cover your faults yeah, you yourself want to come and tell people and yeah. you know boast about it meaning you're spreading this this illness in society to say this yeah. is a norm right yeah. you're being arrogant about it so this is this is a danger this is the dangerous uh you know this is the dangerous point that we are at and it's it's more than important to 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 educate yourself and and also then to you know practice these things within your homes and your children are your responsibility at the yeah. end of the day yeah and i think that it's just i think we need to ensure that conviction I think it all stems down to conviction. It's like you said, understanding the why, 
then experiencing it and that's why I was grateful the sisters to share their experiences because yep. you know there are people who haven't experienced it yet or have experienced something different that hopefully they can understand that from another person's point of view but interesting this is the thing we need to just there's so much to learn and to understand yep. that I feel like whether it's every time we do one of these shows i feel like on a daily basis i'm finding another reason why an islamic commandment is there right like mm. i just i just i'm constantly and i'm and i'm looking for it mm. and i just ask people who are listening just to look for it because mm. if you look you will find it and exactly. there was always an understanding that you are just you're just literally one thought or yep. what one bit of knowledge away from understanding a concept to its true true understanding where ultimately the commandments that are in the religion of Islam they will help society they will not fix problems they will st- it will stop the problems from happening mm. i think there's a difference right like it's not just about fixing problems mm. that have occurred it's building a place where these problems do not exist beautiful absolutely i mean and and lastly the idea of trust i just wanted to add that at the end cuz conv- conviction is very important but what takes you to conviction god almighty says is trust and 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 work putting mm. in the effort and that's also very very important because um the beginning is the trust it's not it's not the end you know this is blind faith blind faith yeah. you guys believe in a religion which is not it, it it begins at that everything in life begins you start a business you have to you have yeah. trust Uh, un- unless if you're always yeah. doubting 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 you will never you'll be never able start. to you you never start yeah. um so i think this is this is one of the things i wanted to leave that if anybody's practicing something and and finding it hard you know you should you should trust the process yeah. and speak to like-minded people you know who've gone through this process especially those that came onto the show and shared their experience uh, but we have i mean i mean the hour is over is yeah. isn't it the time flew, flew by, by yeah. and i think this is the beauty of these programs that they're engaging and you more more than ever it actually helps us improve and learn of course yeah and i think that that's the thing we just constantly seek knowledge and you know if anybody's out there thinking that oh you know these people are oppressed or or whatever <laughs> like speak to someone like i'm sure they'll be happy like mm. you know just ask them just be like how does this feel like <laughs> yeah. why did you do it i'm sure there are people out there who are more than happy to share their experiences so that you understand it more but um we'll definitely be back after a short break um we will be discussing in the next hour um about religious harmony and we'll be discussing in understanding the the life of the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him and the way um he treated non-muslims uh so we'll be discussing that in the next hour um and we're just going to have a short break stay tuned a new station the voice of islam with live discussions religion and culture understand the true teachings of islam with the voice of islam assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the drive time show here at the voice of islam may the peace and blessings of god be upon you all so we, just before the hour we were discussing world hijab day because today is the 1st of february uh, 2024 and that is celebrated around the world um but we're moving on to another topic which um i think is very close to every muslim's heart i, I feel and mm-hmm. um it's something that 
helps us really truly understand and you know just overall just i'm i'm losing the words to describe <laughs> it but it's just religious harmony is something that um is so important in today's political climate yeah um and that i think that we can truly learn from the character and the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him um and it will help us understand you know how we can act how we spend time with each other how we can create harmony within society um and yeah like for me i think that it's going to be an interesting hour where we discuss that in detail what are your thoughts real of course i mean the idea of uh you know the idea of religious harmony truly you know i think it, it i think it defines a prophet in my opinion it, it really defines who 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 the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace yes. and blessings of god be upon him was um you know as an individual if if they say if, if there's one thing that you can mention from his life you know he, the god tell you know the god almighty tells us that he was rahmatul alamin he was the mercy not for muslims but yeah, for, mankind. for mankind yeah so so this is something that we find in the scripture so so you can you can discuss what the scripture says and then you can go into seeing how that was actually practiced um and it's not just the preaching element is is because the prophet tells us that oh believers why do you say which you do not do yes and the worst thing in the sight of god is that you say things which you don't do and 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 so he, he his sunnah his 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 practical example hmm. for for is is actually at the second stage for muslims in terms of the quran is first yeah. in, in terms of guidance and then the sunnah how we how we practice those commandments and showed us how 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 they are to be uh practiced so religious harmony we 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 understand it to be the the peaceful coexistence of different religions and spiritual beliefs is 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 a concept that you know has been sought after you know throughout human history yeah and one of the most compelling examples of religious harmony is is in action can be you know seen through the life and the teachings of the holy prophet peace be upon him now we know the prophet was born in makka 570 ce he was raised in a polytheistic society <clears throat> you know where there's numerous tribes worshiping numerous gods um, and despite these uh, despite the prevalent religious practices of his time the prophet muhammad peace be upon him you know comes at a time where god almighty instructs him to be a prophet of god he he's not someone who's who is a who who who's a polytheist rather he's a he's he's someone who's practicing monotheism he's going up he's going to the cave hira for a long time and 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 actually seeking actually seeking god yeah right that um and 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 so this and that was not an easy task of course of you course know, uh, those they, who have been to hira the the cave hira there's steps right now <laughs> yeah there wasn't steps there you know mm. like i think and and you know that was a struggle anyway but yeah please continue yeah i mean <clears throat> one of the earliest examples of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam's uh, may peace be with allah be upon him approach to religious harmony is actually found in his interactions with the christian and jewish communities of his time um and um you know and of course we i think we 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 can delve into that you know you know a bit more you have the examples of him bringing the tribes together when they wanted to place you know a specific stone um you know hajar aswad which, which which we know in the tradition it 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 is said that it was lost yeah. and he, he so they were arguing over which tribe would put that back so he brings this huge cloth and so he says place it in there in these four corners so these four tribes you know grab each corner and they and then they would do it so i think this is this is one of the first examples that we have of the prophet you know actually um laying the groundwork of a 
society which is um, which is har- you know, harmonious, which yeah. you know, people can live with one another. And this is what I'm saying that that when the Prophet peace be upon him actually starts preaching against idol worshiping, right? There's there's an idea of um, so I think one thing needs to be de- demonstrated also is is the fact that um, religious harmony does not necessarily mean that you have to agree with the other party. You, so I think that has yeah. to be very very clear. Because if someone who believes in three to three gods or four gods yeah. or ten gods, the one who believes who's a mon- harmony mon- is ag- like agreeing with like everybody agreeing, right? That's not harmony. It's not just everybody agreeing to each you other. Know the point of like um, the person who you know, sort of agrees with everything stands for nothing stands in a way. Nothing, so that's yeah. the point I was, I'm trying to yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to emphasize here that it doesn't mean you let go of your own values yeah. or your beliefs, but is that you recognize and you have debates and dialogue and that's all there, but the persecution element should, should not be there, yeah. uh, you know, uh, deriding the 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 other side is not there. And this is why um, that we we mentioned that the the expeditions or the wars that were fought at the time of the Prophet peace be upon him were were majorly defensive wars. They they were they were forced upon them. And the very first commandment that we have in the Quran itself tells us that because it started udina lilladina that the permission now is being granted to those who have been wronged that the fight has been forced enforced upon them because they were driven out of their homes and all of mm-hmm. these you know different examples are given yeah, yeah. because those that are listening might have this question in mind what are you on about man <laughs> what are you telling me this 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 new islam you know yeah. out of nowhere you know you, i was told islam was spread, spread by the sword and no, you know no, from what no. i see around me so i think this is this is where um it is important to read the life sirah we say the life mm-hmm. of the holy prophet peace be upon him um you know there are so many bo- bo- books out there uh, one one such book that we often give our, I think is Muhammad the perfect is it called the Muhammad the perfect example what is it uh, I think life of Muhammad life of Muhammad sorry life of Muhammad it's, it's a very simple book um, if anyone is listening wants yeah. that book we can actually send it to you yeah just let us know mm. um, why do we um, why do we have like this lack of religious harmony today right like because mm. the thing is is that we've got this great example and I, we're going to go into it in more detail but yeah. I just wanted to have a little discussion with you like why are we because i know why i feel it but uh, let me let me ask you first like why do you think that there's a lack of religious harmony? i think you can't i think majorly it's not a religious issue it's more of a political and yeah. social issue we have to be very 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 honest yeah. and uh, you know what we're seeing happening in the middle east in palestine at, mm-hmm. at, at this moment in time and all of that it's very easy to frame that into yeah. a religious uh nar- narrative it's very, very easy to do that, and that's that's probably the agenda. That that that's probably some people want want to see. Yeah. But the reality is, you have the 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 you know the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians have been living together for centuries. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, there there ha- there have been problems, and every you you can pour, yeah. you can pour, you know you can have an atheistic society, and they will have problems. The humans have problems. Yeah. But based on religious issue, right? Why are you not worshiping one God? I'm yeah. going to kill you for that. That's yeah. that's totally wrong. That's not allowed at yeah. all. Right. Uh, so this idea, and this is why the Prophet Sallallahu uh, peace be upon uh, him, him, is commanded in the Quran. And I, and I often quote these verses that that that, that argue with them with the Jadil hum ahsan in the best possible manner, yeah. right? And it says with the Quran, with 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 giving guidance, and he's sending missionaries, and and the best period in the Islamic history where majority of the conversions took place yeah. is quite interesting. Actually, is not the time where there was war taking place, but it, it, it was a time where there was a treaty between the after the Sulah Hudaybiyah, yeah. the treaty between the Mus- Muslims and the mm-hmm. and the Meccans. Yeah. So Muslims now could actually make strategies. You know, Prophet peace upon him sent letters to the kings. Yeah. 
He sent various missionaries to various different tribes. This was a more successful time. Yeah. Because it was the application, right? Yeah. There's no compulsion in religion. Yeah. That 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 uh, false um, that right has become apparent from falsehood, yeah. right? It, I mean, the Prophet Sallallahu speaks about this. It's very yeah. interesting. He says that how a, you know a religion is recognized from its inner quality yeah. to be able to change people, right? You can't force people into into believing something, and and you know, um, you, know the, you know the same quote of uh, the fourth caliph of the Indian Muslim community where he says. You can force heads but not minds, right? Yeah. Right. You can you can force people. You can force heads but not minds. Yeah. And, and this is this is the point that this is the entire concept of Islam until the Prophet understood because he himself went through persecution. He had to leave yeah. the city. Why did he have to leave the city of Makkah? Because he was disagreeing with them. They're saying, "How how are you disagreeing with our forefathers? What our forefathers wrong? Yeah. You know, they told us to just the way <coughs> it is. It is right? like what we we're saying. Like yeah. you know, just actually lacking that understanding. And <coughs> speaking of understanding, that's where I think that a lot of these things happen. It's this. I th- I feel like as a society we have this problem where we constantly we don't just state what we feel and what we believe. You know, mm-hmm. there's no harm in being proud. You know, you should be proud. But I feel like this. We have this thing where everybody else should accept what I think. Mm. And I think that this is like you know it's imposed, like and I think that's where this universe you know, of the Quran um, that there is no compulsion in religion is really important. Uh, yeah. That's chapter two, verse two hundred fifty-seven, mm-hmm. um, because it's not about making everybody else believe what you think, yeah. right? It's and I think that's where the the harmony is lost. Is that everybody's like. Oh no no I'm right and and you have to listen to me and everything that you say is wrong and mm. just because when you <clears throat> when you feel that you are right you should have the conviction and faith that it doesn't matter what other people feel right or they they think or what they believe because you are true in your faith and that's it and I think that's the beauty of Islam that it's like oh no like we don't need to make everybody do it or it's and I think that's where harmony is lost because it's like no 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 we're right and it has to be done this way right there was a solution that you mentioned about the cloth right mm. that the prophet of Islam uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him um, it's no one person no one tribe was chosen to to move it it was it was shared equally and I think that that's where we often come into problems with religious harmony is this need to prove everybody else wrong mm. and to be like, oh no, you <laughs> like you like if you're comfortable in your belief, you won't feel the need to make someone believe it. Like it doesn't have to be like this way of like, oh no no, that's it, I have to force you to start thinking like me. Mm. Right? Because what you'll see and what we have seen is when you are steadfast in your faith and you practice your faith, people will see it for themselves. Mm. Right, the application of it, like you said, is not the the war time. Yeah. Right. It was when people were living harmoniously. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they saw it in action. They saw the examples and were like, you know what? That's something I want to be a part of. That's something that I want to. Those are values that I share or I want. And yeah, that's where I think that a lot of the religious harmony. Absolutely. I mean, lost. the point of. Um, I mean, the, I mean, in the Quran itself, in chapter three, verse hundred and fourteen, uh, if I remember correctly, says that 
ليسوا سوا that that they are not alike they are not all alike um, you know mentioning people of the book it says من أهل الكتاب they are people among the book أمة قائمة there is a party who stand by the covenant that they read يطلون آيات الله they read they recite the words of Allah in the hours of the night أنا الليل وهم يسجدون and they and and they prostrate and and the prophet and he and, and he also informs the prophet that if your lord you know had destined that if thy Lord had enforced his will, surely all who are in the earth would have believed together. Then he says, Wilt thou then force men to become believers? So exactly the point. Mm. So there so again, I want to come back to the same point. Like the balance is not that is not to say that you and I sit and don't convince people, don't preach. Yeah, of course. Because Balligh Ma Unzilaik is also in the Quran which says to convey the message. Yeah. Balligh Ma Unzilaik has been revealed to you. Like it's it's a responsibility. We are a missionary yeah. faith. It's a responsibility of every Muslim to convey that God exists, to, yeah. to, to convey that Islam is true. Why it's true? Give the reasons for it. Yeah. Educate yourself. This is a responsibility. At the end of that, if your actions correlate with the message yeah. that you're giving and God says you're pious and righteous, it would have an impact. Yeah. Just as Jesus had an impact. Just as Moses had an impact yeah. on, on, on the people around him. They weren't just preaching. They were practicing what they, you know, yeah. what, what, what they were telling people. So this is the idea. This, this, this is the whole concept that we need to understand as yeah. believers that it's, it's more to do with us. You know, when, yeah. when we're going out um, and at times people go to one, one or the other extreme of saying, I don't need to, I'll just look at myself. I need to focus on myself. No, sometimes by advising others, it makes you think. Yeah. Definitely. That I'm advising others. I need to do that myself as well. Yeah. Like your children, you know, the, the children, your children will figure, figure, figure well, they'll figure you out. <laughs> your children will figure you out. Yeah. Right. You yeah. say anything in the car that's not right. Yeah. That's the one word they'll. Remember. They'll be like, "Daddy, that's not right." <laughs> yeah. And you, it, it, you, you quickly realize that look, that's that's wrong. Yeah. So I'm saying that you know the concept. This concept has to be clear that we have to. We, we, it can't just be words. You know, it has to be supported by, by actions. With actions, yeah. On that note, um, I want to play a clip that explains uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him's treatment of neighbors. Mm-hmm. Just going to listen to that shortly. Life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treatment of neighbors. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always treated his neighbors with extreme kindness and consideration. He used to say that the angel Gabriel had emphasized consideration towards one's neighbors so often that he sometimes began to think that a neighbor would perhaps be included among the prescribed heirs. Abu Dhar, peace be upon him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to him, Abu Dhar, while broth is being cooked for your family, add a little more water to it so that your neighbor might also share in it. This does not mean that the neighbor should not be invited to share in other things, But as the Arabs were mostly a migratory people, and their favorite dish was broth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, referred to this dish as a typical one, and taught that one should not think so much of the taste of the food as of the obligation to share it with one's neighbor. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, On one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, exclaimed, I call God to witness that he is not a believer, I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. The companions inquired, Who is not a believer, O Messenger of Allah? And he replied, He whose neighbor is not secure against injury and ill treatment at his hands.
On one occasion, when he was addressing women, he said, If anybody finds only the foot of a goat to cook, that person should share it with his or her neighbour. He asked people not to object to their neighbours driving pegs into their walls, or putting them to any other use which occasioned no injury. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, The Prophet said, He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his neighbour. He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his guest. And he who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should utter only words of virtue or should keep quiet. Muslim. And that was an explanation on the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him's uh, treatment of neighbours. And it's something that really is a great example for us to introduce into our lives as well. You know, make, looking after your neighbours, thinking about them. You know, you don't know what they're going through. And just that knock on the door, you know, just a, a smile, a chat, it can go a long way. And... I want to go more into about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, treatment with uh, non-Muslims. Uh, it's actually uh, Jabir ibn Abdullah reported, it was said that the Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, O Messenger of Allah, who Islam, whose Islam is best? And the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, replied saying, the patient and the tolerant. Um, and then it was said, which believers have the most complete faith? And the Prophet replied, those with the best character. Um, and after fam facing uh, extreme hostility and rejection in the city of Dev, um, where he was stoned and badly injured, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, had the opportunity for revenge when he later gained significant power. However, when he eventually returned to death with victory, he forgave the people and did not seek retribution. Another great example, um, a Jewish woman used to actually throw rubbish in the path of the Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, when he passed by her house um, on a regular basis. And one day when she fell ill, the Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, visited her to ask about her well-being. The woman was so moved by his kindness that she accepted Islam. Again, just another great example of, you know, it just treating others um, in a great way. And and like this is where religious harmony happens: is that it doesn't matter what the faith of the person is. You don't need to treat them differently. You should treat all of mankind um, in the best of ways. Um, and then thing you mentioned the, the uh, peace treaty known as the Treaty of Hudaybah uh, uh, with the Quraysh as well, right? Yeah, Hudaybah, and yeah. Uh, um, just lastly, I wanted to mention about uh, how uh, a woman named Zainab uh, bin Al Harith attempted to poison the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, by offering him a gift of a poisoned roast lamb. Um, the Prophet, sensing uh, that something was off, stopped eating and inquired about the source. Zainab's attempt was discovered, but instead of seeking revenge, the Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, forgave her. This incident showcases the Prophet's remarkable forgiveness even in the face of an attempt on his life. And the lady later um, embraced Islam. I think that 
these examples of the Prophet's uh, treatment of non-Muslims is just such the perfect <coughs> example of how we can create harmony across the world and it's an example that everybody can take that look this this character the way he was in all of these situations some of these very difficult situations where people would be you know like in the face of someone attempting to like kill him like i think that, that that's, that's just his forgiveness there just shows how we can truly bring religious harmony and that it shouldn't be about you know trying to get one over on each other and understanding each other and being patient mm. is is really key absolutely no doubt um i mean the prophet peace be upon him's um image i think um, in the, in 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 the eyes of non-muslims and ex- in externals um, is something that people should o- should also read. Those have actually studied his life and were not Muslims. For instance, George Selway, British Orientalist scholar, um, he's best known for his translation of the Quran, Holy Quran in, in, in English in 1734, um, um, writes, he, he, you know, he wrote that, um, that, that, that Muhammad may have been in, you know, in imposing a false religion on mankind and how, how criminal that is to think the 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 praises due to his real virtues ought not to be denied uh den- denied him nor can i do otherwise than applaud the candor of the pious and learned spanimus who th- though he owned him to have been a wicked impostor yet acknowledged him to have been richly furnished with natural endowments beautiful in 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 his person of of a subtle wit agreeable behavior showing liberality to the poor, courtesy to everyone, fortitude against his enemies, and above all, a high reverence for the name of God. Severe against the prejured, adulterous, murderous, slanderers, and also many others, you know, who've spoken about his character, which we'll come back to after speaking to our guests. Yeah, we have uh, Muhammad Ahmed Khurshid, um, who is a um, imam of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, with that small introduction, welcome to the Drive Time Show. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for your time. Um, I wanted to start off with uh, asking you the question, how would you define religious tolerance and what role does it play in fostering harmony among diverse communities? Right. Um, I think the the meaning is in the words, so religions, you know, from whichever religion one belongs to, and then tolerance, that you have to be tolerant towards people of other faiths, towards societies, you know, people from different faiths, cultures, countries, it doesn't really matter. Even our race is a problem in some parts of the world. But if we look at the core teachings of religion in general, they all tell us one thing, that is to be good to your neighbor, good to be those people around you. So religious tolerance means, in principle, to be kind, affectionate to those people around us. Now, how does that help in fostering communities? Now, in any community, not just the UK, if you look around the world, you will find people from different religions, right? Uh, across, in, in, for example, in different cities, you have interfaith communities where people of different communities come together from different religions, they come together, and they talk about things that are mutually agreeable upon, Right, so 
religion plays a major factor in establishing peace in community in establishing religious tolerance it's absolutely integral part of any society that you can be a part of interesting and in your view what are some um, historical examples that you that, that actually demonstrate instances of uh, tolerance and coexistence uh, with non-muslim communities right this i mean the entire life of the holy prophet peace be upon him is a, is a testament to this uh, to this notion that he was very very tolerant of people around him for example um once there was a a, a, a person of jewish faith passed away and his body was being carried to the cemetery and uh, the prophet was sat amongst his companions so he stood up in respect to the to the body that was being taken away and the companions asked him that oh prophet peace be upon you why did you stand up for a jewish man who has just died and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace be upon him mentioned that was he not a soul meaning did he not live amongst you mm. so he stood up in respect for that individual that shows that the prophet even stood in respect for those who had passed away let alone those people who were living amongst yeah. amongst the muslims right countless countless examples now we talk about um racial problems in society even in 2024 but the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace be upon him in his last sermon categorically told the muslims that no uh, white is greater to a black individual no black individual is greater as opposed to a white individual no arab is greater to a non-arab or no non-arab is greater to an arab right mm-hmm. he established deep roots of social of social justice of tolerance in society even with his last sermon right if you think about mm-hmm. it that was exactly the topic that be careful of the way you treat of people of other faiths and religions and and even color for that matter hey and um what was the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him's approach towards negotiate negotiations and agreements with whether that's individuals or communities but people of different faiths that's an interesting one because when we look at the timeline in history there's something very interesting that took place in the time of the prophet peace be upon him when he migrated from from mecca Medina which was then known as Yathrib when he reached Yathrib he realized there are people of different communities there in Arabic we say kabila tribal people pagans muslims and then jewish uh, communities he realized that we have to establish some treaty a constitution an agreement upon where we all agree upon this uh, constitution that is the best way to lead a normal and a happy life okay this is the first time in my recollection in history that such a treaty was established uh, we talk about the treaty of versailles for example and you know treaties after wars but this is going back almost 1500 yeah. years ago this has never taken place before that so the prophet was way ahead of his time he realized that that's the best way forward mm-hmm. now some of the things i've just mentioned maybe one or two things from that treaty people are welcome to go online and check the constitution of medina and read upon it themselves one such thing was that the jews li- living in that area pertaining to the jewish faith they shall be considered as one community ummah along with the believers meaning that the muslims who are called an ummah meaning a group of believers the jewish people living in yasrib in in olden medina 
should be a part of the ummah, meaning they should live as one community. That doesn't mean that they've become Muslims. It just means that they're living under the banner of Islam whilst independently practicing their faith. Uh, this is right. such a historical event, and there were pagans there, remember, people who are of no belief. Even in this day and age, you have people of no belief. Yeah. Right? So this was 1,500 years ago, and then the entire misconception that we can come to later shows that the Prophet, is, he abolished every form of confusion that could have been caused. Yeah, perfect, perfect, and 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 of course, you know, as a as a murabi, as a imam. as an imam serving in in Manchester, how do you you know respond to misconceptions or stereotypes about Islam and its stance on religious tolerance, and how can these be addressed in sort of uh, interfaith dialogues that we have? Look, there's many misconceptions about Islam, and the media plays a major role in that. For example, there's the misconception that it's a violent religion. Jihad means fighting against the non-believers, you know, killing them and persecuting them. And then there's misconceptions that there's no religious tolerance in Islam. Then things like, you know, we seclude people of other society, of other faiths, religions. We can't engage with society. These are all notions that have come about due to pressures from the media. People who don't understand the faith have decided to go and show what faith means. Right? So if I'm not a, I'm a, a professor or a lecturer and I decide to go and give a lecture about a particular topic which I have no idea about, that will confuse the students, right? So in the same way, what some people have done, they've caused confusion by spreading misconceptions about Islam. Now having explained the actions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, one verse of the Quran is that there is no compulsion in matters of religion. So... Have we ever heard this on media? No, we haven't. So what is happening is there's that one point agenda. Sometimes, I'm not saying all, all the media, sometimes some media portray that Islam is a very violent religion and it doesn't, it doesn't have any religious tolerance. Yeah. Right. So when you look at the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, I've given the examples from the constitution of Medina. I've given the example of when the Jew passed away. I've yeah. given the example of when the last sermon he gave. These are the core beliefs and teachings that we are required to live by as Muslims. Yeah, and now the, it's, I'm sure you have to like deal with a lot of these misconceptions and yeah. Yeah. Um, stereotypes. But what guidance do you have for people living in pluralistic societies? You know, how in terms of them interacting with people of di- different religious backgrounds. How can you, like, what advice do you have for them? We need to be very patient. Yeah. The Quran tells us that that seek the help of God Almighty through patience and prayer. Patience is a virtue, as the saying goes, but in Islam it is especially a virtue. It enhances the belief of a believer. Right. So have patience, get to know people around you, get to know that this particular individual is of faith, of no faith, of a particular faith. Even in faith, when you have people coming from the African continent, their way of, of, uh, of belief would be very different to somebody from the subcontinent, from South America, from European countries, right? even if it's the same faith. So try to understand, we should try to understand where people come from. Why are they a certain way? And respect the way they live, right? Of yeah. course, as Muslims, we firmly believe in what we believe in, but we need to be very, very respectful. Just one example, you know, the, from the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him. 
he was engaging in a discussion with some Christian missionaries that came to speak to him about Islam. They found out that he had made a claim of being a prophet, so they came to him. And then they said that, oh, Messenger, oh, oh Muhammad, peace be upon you, can we pray in your mosque? Is that permissible? Yeah. I mean, in this day, day and age, it's unheard of. This is going back 1,500 years ago again. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, by all means, you can pray in my mosque. Yeah. Right? So when you look at these, these qualities, he was, he was very, very tolerant of people around him. So as Muslims, you know, it, we have interfaith communities in our cities. So I sometimes attend them, you know, I'm sure people attend them. And you should try to attend them, try to see where people come from and what their backgrounds are really. Then you will have more sympathy towards people around you. Thank you very much for your time today, uh, Imam Muhammad. Um, that was really insightful and we really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Jazakallah for having you once again. Asalaamu well, Alaikum. Um, 0208-687-7878 that's the number to call if you want to get involved in the discussion we're having right now we are discussing religious harmony um, and we are doing that with the teachings that we can get from the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of God be upon him's character and his example when dealing with people of other faith yeah, we were discussing how um, <clears throat> we were discussing what non-Muslims say about the Prophet, peace be upon him. But before that, I just uh, just, just 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 a thought on um, you know the interview with the uh, with the missionary and how you know how important it is to remove these misconceptions. Yeah, and, and despite the fact that I just think that Islam, you know, Islam has existed here for a very long time. But just speaking from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we, we, since 1913 we've come here. The community have been established, and you know, 60s and 70s, you had yeah. Muslims coming over, you know, third or fourth generations. Yet still, you have these these misconceptions that exist about Islam, and the they they are pushed as an agenda on 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 media. Yeah, right? there's some which is which is I think um, which we need to go above and beyond in a way that it's, it becomes a responsibility and work even more harder, especially in in places like journalism. Where, where you know we have seen uh, you know that the Muslim voice um, for the past at least past 10 years you've had different platforms and social media and stuff coming up yeah. which give Muslim news and Muslim Muslim uh, you know com com commentary on issues yeah. that's also very important as well but coming to the point of what non-Muslims say about the Prophet we see upon him I was giving you know examples and um, some of the people then um, there was a list of people um, for instance um, Alfonso de Lamartine who was a French poet and statesman, um, he stated, uh, which is um, written in the history uh, of, uh, I think, History d'Ale Turque, if I'm pronouncing this incorrect, my French is awful. Uh, philosopher, it says, orator, apostle, legislator, warrior, conqueror of ideas, restorer of rational dogmas of a, of a cult without images. The founder of twenty terrestrial empires and one spiritual empire, that is Muhammad, sallallahu peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. As regards all standards by which human greatness may be measured, we may well ask: Is there any man greater than he? Then Reverend Bosworth Smith, who was a late fellow of uh, Trinity College, Oxford, he said that he was a Caesar and Pope in one. He was a Pope without the Pope's pretensions and Caesar without the legions of Caesar. Without a standing army, without a bodyguard, without a palace, without a fixed revenue. If ever any man had the right 
to say that he ruled by a right divine, it was Muhammad, for he had the power without its instruments and without its supports. And you have numerous such uh, you know, um, Account. accounts. And the last one I would I would mention is um, from from Annie Besant, who was a British uh, theosophist and uh, nationalist leader in India. Um, um, it, uh, I think uh, she writes that uh, it is possible, it is impossible rather, for anyone who studies the life and character of the great prophet of Arabia, who knows how he taught and how he lived, to feel anything but reverence for that mighty prophet. One of the great messengers of the Supreme, and although uh, in what I have put to you I shall say many things which may be familiar to many, yet I myself feel whenever I reread them a new way of admiration and a new sense of reverence for that mighty Arabian teacher. So these are some of the some of the yeah. you know uh, non-Muslims who, who who've actually read the life of the Prophet without any without any bias, yeah. right? And they've spent the time, and they've come to this conclusion themselves. I think that's really important as well. Like people have these preconceptions of the Prophet, um, peace and blessings of God be upon him, and I think that once you take it from an unbiased view, you can you cannot deny the fact that. He was such a great example for us all and that if we start to incorporate these you know or try to you know even an iota right like of of getting just even trying to be one of his characteristics we'd make that effort on the smallest of scales consistently mm. over time we will change not only our life but the lives of everyone around us and i think that we will see a better society from that and I think that like you said the media focus on a very negative aspect or like and they try to paint it in a different way where once you really try to seek that knowledge for yourself from an unbiased point of view um, and it's not just a teaching it's not just this was said or the, the prophet peace be upon him um, said these things it's actual lived experiences it's actual actions after very distressing situations right it's it's not like a few harsh words here like this physical like f- stones were thrown at him like you know, th- there's so many different things that people d- don't even have the patience to you know, deal with someone cutting in front of them in the lane when they're driving these days, or you know, just someone bumping them into the into them in the street without you know, genuinely because they're probably just staring at their phone. Um, and we have this like we can learn so much um, from the life of the Prophet peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, and it's just we can find that. I, and I think you said earlier as well. It's not just. It's not religion that's causing these problems. Yeah. And it's not that we need religious harmony. It's that we need harmony as a society and Islam and its teachings and the character and the example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings. Yeah, I, I, I truly believe this. I don't just say this. Like yeah. it's Because it, it's it's rather godlessness yeah. um, which, which, which makes you um, commit such atrocities you know, yeah. with impunity. The reality is, the Prophet peace be upon him had to go through expeditions. He had, he did have wars in, you know, in in his time, yeah. as I mentioned. The context of which is 
they were forced out of their homes and they had no other choice right to defend themselves but he laid down you know great um he read that laid down detailed rules of those wars not killing yeah. children yeah. not harming women not um you know uh, attacking the places of worship fighting. yeah not even any civilian yeah. only those who are fighting you yeah right whereas if you look at nature nature, nature yeah. you don't harm nature where you look around the world right now hmm. what's happening in front of our eyes yep right you cannot deny that the majority of those casualties are innocent civilians there's no justifiable and there are videos reason. of people walking down with with white flag with the white flag in their hand and still being shot yeah so uh, so what do you do it's it's um it's a very hopeless situation you can say for for many for us it's you know sitting there and and watching seeing our screens and you know at times you do become really angry and there's mixed emotions and you don't know what to do one of the things you can do is pray of course yeah i was just say that right. that is that i mean, is I mean i'm saying these emotions to, to are, are are so, they are, they don't they're different emotions you go through different times yeah. right that you're praying and you're also uh, you're giving charity let's say you know yeah. but char- how much charity can really help there are trucks outside the border that are not being allowed in yeah right people are protesting against them being allowed in but your prayers so will is, always help right yeah of course i mean there's no there's no two ways about it yeah um that whatever is in the capacity of a believer he should do yeah you know that's what we learn from the prophet's life as well right whatever whatever was in his capacity in order to convey the message yeah whatever was in in his capacity to be what there was to be compassionate what there was to be you know for instance when he went to medina in what state did he reach medina right he had to um, you know weeks of travel where you know he he he's 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 basically um you know saving his own life with with another companion yet when he gets there the first thing he does is you know one of the first things he does is is establishes this charter establishes this constitution of you know yeah. protecting the rights of others and everyone so i think this is the, this this is the, the, the these are the principles which are godly principles these are the, these are the principles upon which uh, you know religion stands but yeah the idea that they they are they are misrepresentation of uh of of the texts that we find um the, this text is found in you know numerous religions um but this text has a specific context it has a historical context and uh, we you know uh, we will never be t- get tired of repeating this because there may be someone who's listening the very first time it may be the very first yeah. time someone's just turned on their the radio and they found voice of islam and they listen to fahim and rahil <laughs> sitting uh, um talk, talking about the beloved character of our beloved prophet um yeah i mean it, it's it's a fascinating life it's a mm. marvelous life and the more you read it the more the more you you know the more you learn from it but the, i think it's what you said uh, it's about implementing it it's yeah. about even one aspect impl- like just say simply said once once that smiling is a charity yeah right this is a simple act right? no it's a very simple act it doesn't doesn't cost you anything and, and yeah. you realize that when you're at home if you already if if you all just tensed up and everything your kids yeah. your wife and your parents will be affected and you know the whole atmosphere will be all, all, you know all gloomy yeah. you have to be you know if you're smiling and you know well you can see you, the difference in our voices when exactly. we're smiling right exactly. you you can hear it yes. you don't have to see us exactly. you can hear us smile yeah, right yeah. So it's so important and I think that religious harmony is something that will happen if you truly try to understand mm. one another try to understand <coughs> try to understand religion yeah. and you know Islam teaches us to seek knowledge 
it doesn't it doesn't say to just like you know the, have an opinion and just stick to it right it's yeah. it like challenge your faith challenge understand it more don't just like oh okay cool like that's it hmm. constantly learn constantly evolve understand the why get there you you just need to try mm-hmm. and i think that if whenever you just look for the why you it will find it and and you can find it in everything i feel like genuinely you start you get to a point where you realize that literally everything there is a solution from for every single issue every single good thing there is it to be made better um from islam mm. and you just got to find it i and i always look at it as the thought that i lack the understanding of why right mm. so whenever i look at these things i i try to understand okay why did the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him act this way in this situation when you start to learn more about his life you will start to yeah. really truly understand that you know yeah wow like this this system this, this understanding this guidance yeah. is something that can is life changing like it will improve not only your life but it will improve the lives of everybody around you yeah and that's the beauty of it. i think the beauty of it all, uh, is 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 the idea also of uh, one of the elements of 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 Islam you know we said uh, the the words that we use for morals is akhlaq yeah like it comes from khuluq and 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 the prophet society explains this in his in his book the philosophy of the teachings of Islam right a wonderful book um people should go and read it it's on, it's available online it's free to download yeah email us if you if you're <laughs> yeah. struggling to find it so he mentions that um it is only you know something can 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 only be a praiseworthy you know faculty let's say you know we have anger you know we have certain emotions that you know different different faculties that we hold but its correct application is what makes it praiseworthy mm-hmm. right when you can be a transgressor when you can take a revenge yeah yet you choose to forgive yeah which was the case with the prophet we see upon him yeah when he conquers makkah when he enters makkah and he asks them what should be done to you and yeah and they and they said that you know we expect the same treatment that the joseph um, that the jo- jo- that the brothers of joseph you know Received got from their yeah. from from their brother because he forgave them yeah and he says uh that the there's no there's no harm on you on on on, on this day yeah and and so they were you know apart from those who came against and tried to fight him you know majority far majority of them were actually forgiven and there were one such example of a person who was migrating f- to another place and at the port he found out that the prophet has for- for- forgiven everyone yeah and he couldn't believe it and he came back met the prophet and said that i i thought i would never be for- forgiven at ever yeah. based on my crimes and they just you know based on that and 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 entered islam so it was never really about a personal gain it was never really about when something is way beyond you yeah that's when that's when things are you know a lot more um worthy yeah right see i th- i think this is a really important point that you made because it's weird my um, we as a society anyway like we do admire things like so if somebody's got um a difficult background or like you know they've 
not had access to yeah. uh, a lot of opportunities and they are then successful let's say materialistically yeah. like you know they you build a business in. you know all of these types of things right we, we we're like wow and then it becomes newsworthy right and i think that's why it's important that in the times of actual true struggle or when someone who has or people who have treated you in a very harsh way then you are then given the power or you are in a position where you can either forgive or you can seek revenge or you can punish and you choose not to i think that's what's important here is that yeah you it's it's like when giving charity right like if i have a hundred pounds to give one pound is easy right mm. but if i have two pound and i give one pound that's 50 percent of exactly it, and then there's so much more like meaningful mm. and i think that that's where we need to understand that religious harmony isn't just like you know when everything's like great and like you know oh yeah i'm nice to this person but the moment they do something wrong you turn on them yeah that's exactly the point where you shouldn't turn on them. that's where the guidance and the the example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, yeah. is so critical and so crucial for you to understand because it's at that moment when you are overcome with anger, that you are, uh, you know, feeling the the pain. That is when you, if you make the right decision, then you will truly be in a better position and we will have religious harmony essentially absolutely there's a hadith of the prophet mentioned in Muslim Ahmad one of the books of, of, of tradition where traditions of the prophets are narrated it says that Ibn Abbas reported that the messenger of Allah peace be upon him uh, said be tolerant uh, and you will receive tolerance a very simple um, you know a message um, which uh, you know which goes a long long way um, so rather than being, you know, merely a one-sided, one-sided act of kindness, acceptance is often, um, you know, earned where it is given. The and and it also allows for the pro- progression of a of a society into one that is advantageous to all, regardless of seemingly incap- you know, in- incompatible uh, characteristics of conflicting beliefs. So as I said, the constant. So so what we've so far covered is. Is the the theology what what the what the scripture speaks about in ter- in terms of if God if your God had ordained everyone would have believed everyone would have become a Muslim so would you then force men to be to become believers yeah right clearly stating that um, that's not the case that's not the that's not that's not of your concern your responsibility is just to convey the message yeah that's what it is. And then to the point of um, you know where we, we you know we mentioned the other verses where you know Allah the Almighty uh, you know gives freedom of exp- you know belief and expression to everyone. Simple, there's no compulsion in religion. Mm. Whoever which, which wishes to believe, believe. Who wishes to reject. So there's idea. Usually there's idea of apostasy. Uh, maybe we do and we can do another program on that. Yeah. Um, that but and but from the Quranic narrative, there's no such um, there's no such punishment for apostasy whatsoever. Yeah. Um, people will try to ju- justify it, um, uh, you know, through various things. But the reality is, the only thing that was punishable at the time was treason. So apostasy, you leave Islam and you join the other side, and you give up. And this is what what's what's um, acceptable all over the world with every government. Give give their secrets and you know conspire against them. That's something which 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 was punishable. 
as far as belief is concerned, we have numerous examples. Someone came, accepted Islam, came to the Prophet, said, "Give my bayah, give give my everything is called initiation back." Yeah. Um, and the Prophet did, did not respond to him, and it is said that he came two three times and left Medina, and basically never came back. The Prophet didn't send anyone behind him to kill him. Yeah. Not nothing nothing whatsoever. Of course not. Yeah. So 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 I mean you go so when you have categorical verses in the Quran and. And we say the belief is based. When I was mentioning to you that that yeah. the Quran is a word of God, it says, yes. "I'll protect it." It's been protected since the time of the Prophet, yep. right? That give telling us categorically and clearly that that falsehood and uh, you know goodness has become apparent, and the choice has been given to people. Yeah. Your job is to convey that with what, with words, yes, but yep. most most importantly, your own example. Emulate the prop. Emulate the Prophet's life. Yes. As he treated his neighbors, I was speaking about you know tolerance. If you see wrong, you know, and it's the thing we 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 know with the with religious people, right? With with yeah. the, they say about the saints that they were very um, harsh upon themselves, yes. but when it came to themselves, they would be very rigid in, in terms of they would do practices in order to reach God. When it came for others, they were very lenient. Yeah, right. They would they would say, look, do the bare minimum. You, there's one example of that, and I've been speaking for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. is that the pro- there's a man who came to the prophet. He was a Bedouin, and he said, um, literally, he said, "What would I do in order to enter heaven?" And he said, okay. uh, "You know, pray, pr- do your prayers, fast, you know, uh, fast in the month of Ramadan, yeah, uh, believe in Allah, and all of these things, right? These these sure. five pill- pillars of Islam." And and he he said, "Is that it?" He goes, "Yes," and then he left. And the companion was like, well, "What is this guy, man? He just came, yeah. asked, and just left." And the prophet, when he left, the prophet peace upon him actually said, that "If he does that, he will enter heaven." So the reality is, yeah. is it's actually very, very simple. It really is, yeah. Yeah, it's very, very sim- simple if you really think about it. Yeah. But um, we tend to overcomplicate things. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think that look, religious harmony is something that can happen through very simple acts, right? Tolerance, patience. You know, like, yes, there are difficult situations, but I think, and and this is one of the things that I think has been quite difficult with with the media as well, is that we seem to highlight a person's race or religion, right, when reporting on something bad, right? And I think that this is, we need to differentiate that, that like, you know, it's, it's like, their race or their religion it, it, these things shouldn't come because what it does is it uh, perpetuates uh, stereotypes right mm-hmm. and then people start to believe oh okay if that person is Muslim oh yeah they must be a terrorist or something like that right like these types of things like are spread and if we truly treat each other equally and without bias um, you know as the third successor of the founder of the MDA Muslim community, Hazrat uh, Mirza Nasir Ahmed, may God be his helper, underline um, that according to Islam, human beings are all equal before God. And he added that Islam teaches us to live with mutual love and affection and with humility. It teaches us no distinction between a Muslim and a non-Muslim. My message to everyone is that you must have love for all, hatred for none. And, you know, you'll hear that a lot um when you engage with the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because it is a motto that we, we live by and it's something that will always 
bring about religious to- um, harmony Absolutely. through tolerance and patience. Absolutely. And, you know, we're coming to the end of the program. Um, two hours where we we learnt more than we gave you, of course. I mean, and we're coming to the end now. And I would like, would like to end with the, one of the verses of the, the Holy Quran itself, where Allah Almighty says in chapter 60, verse 9, that Allah forbids you not respecting those who have not fought against you on account of your religion and who have not driven you forth uh, you forth uh, uh, from your homes and that you be kind to them and act equitably towards them. Surely Allah loves those who are equitable. So this verse emphasizes, you know, good behavior should be upheld when interacting with those of other faiths and that justice is, is paramount and is uh, ob- 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 obligatory regardless of our faiths and our background. Yeah, and we, we've discussed in these last couple of hours, uh, in the first hour, we had uh, World Hijab Day, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the 1st of February, and in the second hour, we had Religious Harmony, and we couldn't have discussed those topics without uh, the awesome team members that we have here at The Voice of Islam, uh, like the producers for these shows, uh, Sabiha Tariq and Aiza Rabani, and we have the tech team, who make sure that we can do this and, and that we have we Fahim. <laughs> Thank you so much. And we have Brother Raheel. It was yeah. wonderful to yeah. be, uh, you know, presenting here with you today. Until yeah. next time, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.